Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Vegas studios, it is Weekend Geek Update! Woo! It is December. Can you believe it? December already! We're, we're coming to the end! 2023 is, is just about to, to, to blaze by in a blink. I swear it just felt like March yesterday. And damn! December? Already? Well, before I get to my inability of tracking time successfully, let's talk about our sponsor, Dragon Meadery. They are a spectacular meadery. They have wines, they have mead, they have all sorts of options. If you're looking for something unique to give as a gift this year, might I interest you in some mead? Go over to Dragon Meadery. The link is down below. They have everything available online. You can check them out. Even pick something up for yourself. Treat yourself. Because it is well worth it. So many flavors. We love, we love them. I love them, and and you should too. Click on the link before, below and uh, let me know what your thoughts are. Uh, let me know what you order. Because I there, I have not tried everything uh, that they have to offer. So any kind of input as far as where I need to direct my interests next. I know surprisingly, I haven't tried everything they have. So where do we start? What is going on? In, 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 and uh, actually, I know where to start because I'm absolutely freaking over the moon excited. It feels like it's going back to the 80s. So not only have I just been like completely immersed in the, the Quantum Leap series, the show, season two has been remarkable. We should be coming back to that, I think, think next week. Uh, then Magnum PI. I know, I, I know it's hokey, but I like Magnum, and and I, I know that I had some reservations when it first started because they made Higgins a female. But to be honest with you, I I really I love the shit out of that show, really do, and it just is it. You know what? It's kind of fun, feel good TV. And now, last year we had the return of Night Court, which. One of our best conversations we've ever had on the podcast is when Red and I are trying to explain Night Court to Private Cheeseburger Double A Ron, and <laughs> I still crack up just thinking about that conversation. But it looks like we are getting Night Court back. The issue we ran into, of course, is the writer strike. So everybody kind of, you know, shuttered, pumped the brakes, got got away from doing the gig. So my concern was they weren't going to come back. I know they were uh, renewed. At least they had indicated um, they, they they were getting renewed. So there were some concerns, and I was worried it wasn't going to happen, especially with how it ends. So season one ends with Dan finally becoming a judge. He's in Louisiana, and Ross from the original uh series shows up in his court which is which is great so i'm hoping that they were going to bring back more 
of these characters. Unfortunately, Richard Mole, who played Bull uh, in the original series, he was also in the Highlander. He was an immortal, I think, in the first uh, trailer episode or something like that, the Highlander uh, TV show. Anyway, I digress. Uh, he passed away before they could actually have him come back, but it looks like they are going to do a Christmas special for Night Court on December 23rd in Season 2. We'll be back January 2nd of 2024. I'm so excited for this. I love this show. It is funny. It is clever. And there's still some pulls on the heartstrings. You can still see that, you know, and if you were like me and you watch the show and everything kind of comes back, you can see the growth in Fielding as, you know, from what he was to what he is. It's hard to find the show, though, the original one. So if you can, give it a watch. Another one that I'm just absolutely back in love with, and I forgot how much I loved this show, was Moonlighting with Bruce Willis before he became action star Bruce Willis. Ha ha! And <laughs> absolutely brilliant writing. Characters are are just perfect. And Bruce Willis just, I mean... The man can do all wrong. He's just so damn talented. We love us. We love us some Bruce Willis. Even before he became action star Bruce Willis. Ha ha. So if you can find the Night Court, I think it's actually on Peacock, but eh, you may have to pay for it. It's weird how the streaming services have kind of divvied up different shows. I'm still seeing stuff from Disney Plus on Netflix, and it's like things are doing the rounds and paramount plus and i just uh, i'm confused i think something's on one station and then it's not and then i find it somewhere else and i forget i'm getting lost in my own bookmarks and like watch laters like i don't i don't know where i'm at anymore somebody help me (laughs) uh but go to netflix at least i think it is netflix uh go watch moonlighting absolutely brilliant series if you can find uh, night court watch that or just join me when we we have the christmas special for night court and the world will be fine it'll all make sense i promise you speaking of next year and things that have just like suddenly come out of the woodwork it looks like every network is pushing its its stuff for next year with a boatload of new trailers. One of the new trailers that landed was the House of Dragons Season 2 for HBO. They're saying summer 2024. Uh, And my issue with the first season was it sucked. Um, You're calling yourself the House of Dragons, and there's hardly any dragons. And the time jumps were were unnecessary or just uh, clumsy. That's it. It was clumsy. And I don't know if the writing was all on par, but there were some some opportunities. And I know Susie and I had some very interesting conversations because of what these books are based on. They're they're a little boring. They're a little little dull. But uh, according to what we're seeing now, they uh, House of Dragons is gearing up for a bloody battle between kin. Uh, so we're going to see the two different houses, uh, which looks like it could be good. The first teaser is, um, just kind of like, I don't know, reactions to how season one ended, which, okay, I'm going to give you some spoilers (laughs) of season one. That was rough. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that that kid didn't stand a chance on that dragon and just got tore apart. So evidently, they're still dealing with how that um, impacts the different houses and how everyone is basically this Tigerian civil war, uh, which, of course, is titled The Dance of the Dragons in Ro- Westeros history. But there hasn't been too many else uh, as far as breaks on what to expect. I'm not sure how I feel about this because we had so much... You had Lord of the Rings at this time. You had, um, you know, House of Dragons. I wasn't... eh, eh. Again, maybe there's just too many things to compare it to and just uh, a lot of dueling mythos, if you will. What I do like from what I've seen in the trailer and all of that and what they actually are saying for the trailer uh, that... This one's going to be a little bit more, and that's one of my biggest like complaints were for season one. Is just there wasn't enough dragons, so it looks like they're getting past the dragons thing. And I know it's expensive. I know the special effects and everything cannot be cheap. However, this is HBO for frick's sake. They they've got a budget. They just don't want to spend it. They want to you know produce as little as possible to get as big a reward. And of course, that makes sense. But if you're going to tell a story about dragons, <laughs> there should be dragons um but one of the key things is war between family is a disgrace of the gods and bringing dragons into the mix only brings fatal results so i'm excited to see what these fatal results are i don't know if i'm going to be a big fan of this i i I think i'm past my game of thrones itch i really am because just how it ended and this just seems to you know eh just trying to trying to chase the fandom a little bit further just to get a little more money out of them and the only person character that I really want to see is Matt Smith's character and I just want to see how that story resolves itself the other trailer that just has me cracking up simply for the fact that what followed after I saw the trailer just just made me laugh uh the the new trailer for uh Willy Wonka all right, you have Hugh Grant who's playing an Oompa Loompa. All right, he's in a he's in a jar basically because he's been captured, and he starts doing this little dance and everything. And I mean, Rodal is Rodal is an interesting. We've had multiple conversations about Rodal and just how off the hinges that man was. But to to adapt another Willy Wonka, uh, I have got more opinions than time on that one. But to see. Hugh Grant just annoyed that he he hates playing an Oompa Loompa, even though it he looks hilarious. It is funnier than shit, especially when he starts dancing because he just seems so awkward and uncoordinated and just kind of I don't know Hugh Granty. Yeah, ever since like Love Actually, where he's trying to do that you know hipster happy dance around Parliament. Yeah, okay, no rhythm. None whatsoever. So him to sit there and dance like an Oompa Loompa just kind of cracks me up. And the fact that Hugh Grant just hated playing the character. Why do the role? If you really hate, think you're going to hate playing it, why even get in it? Why even try? I will see this film. I I, I don't know why I wouldn't. Just, just to see <laughs> Hugh Grant dance around um, as, as an Oompa Loompa. And speaking of trailers... <sighs> So I talked about this last week, and 
one of the key things there there really hasn't in my opinion been a very successful video game adaptation to film there have been some you know kind of better successes than others and there have been some and i still think the best one like i said is super mario brothers with chris pratt voicing uh mario this last year so one of the conversations that i had last last week (laughs) <laughs> last year, last week, was the whole Legend of Zelda versus Fallout becoming live action series. Now, in between casts, there has been a trailer that has come out showing us what to expect for the new Fallout TV series. Now, the TV series is set to release April 12th of next year, and they're already kind of showing us what to expect then. Lucy, who leaves uh, the vault that that we still don't know the reasons or the 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 the, the why 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 the, what's the motivation to suddenly leave creature comforts to go out into the world that is designed to kill you great question my money is that something happens that they can't survive or there's a a virus or something that happens that re, that that calls for action action go out get whatever piece thing something that they need to save the rest of the the people or or whatever it is for vault 33. And I'm kind of I'm kind of something something has to motivate you cuz why would you leave? Everything is taken care of unless of course you're that bored and okay, maybe so you just want to stretch your legs and go for a walk. Fair enough. But one of the key things that I said for this series, both of them in fact, to be a success is the the background the environment the world that fallout has created is is unlike well, i wouldn't say unlike any other but it is truly unique in how it is presented as the gamer and to get that feel and all of that translated into a film a series it's going to be difficult i mean it would be almost impossible to see a gears of war i just think because of the the CGI, what story do you tell? It's so well revered, things like that. I couldn't imagine. I would love it if they could do it. A Gears of War series. <laughs> I mean, we got Halo coming back for a season two, which again he took off his helmet. I I'm still, eh. but we do get to go to a Halo anyway. We'll talk about uh, the Halo trailer another time. What we saw in the trailer for Fallout, however, is a little bit more compelling. Um, we, we kind of get to see what the world looks like with the monsters, the, 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 the fallout in the wastelands, all of this. And we do get a very good up close look of the ghoul, uh, and, uh, Maximus of the Brotherhood of Steel. Those two characters alone just kind of, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of in. So at least we haven't skimped on the special effects or, uh, what 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 it looks like so the big question is the story are we going to be compelled is it going to be great is it going to be uh wonderful is it going to be fallout style and who's who's to say the trailer does leave some questions and at least some open-ended stuff and you're kind of like wow the world really did go to shit <laughs> i mean they they do not sugarcoat it the the creatures that we see in the trailer are immense and, and spectacular and just ooh, just visceral just argh! 
Did you get that? <laughs> so to, to, to see the trailer, if you haven't watched it, it is in the link on the 5280 Geek website. Check it out or just flip over to YouTube and I'm sure it is all over the place. Or if you have already watched it, I'd love your input. Maybe I've missed something, but I, I really think that they've pulled the right elements from the game. I think they've got, they've got the feel. All right, let's face it. The feel is there. But again, the story, what, what do we've got? Because, I mean, there have been some, some great uh, feels for the video games. I mean, we thought we were going to get it with Resident Evil, but it never really, like, came out. There, there, there's a lot of opportunities, but to get the, the look and the feel is great. But, again, what is the story? Tell me a story. That's what I'm always looking for. Tell me a story. So let's see what the story is. I would love your input. Let me know what your thoughts are. Before I move on to the next story, this weekend did lead me to something new and completely unprepared for in the reality of what this statement is about to make. Rent to own tires. Yes, that's right. Rent to own tires. Just sit there. Wrap your brain around that for for just a minute. Better now? Okay. Yeah, just just sit there and scratch your head on that one. Yeah, it just seems like a losing deal, right, no matter how you do it. Rent to own tires. Yeah, it exists. It does. Uh, <laughs> speaking of trailers in the Nerdverse, completely enraged, uh, I, I laughed. And I've been watching and reading and reactions to this story I'm about to tell you is, uh, is it's almost ridiculous. It is over the top nuts uh grand theft auto 6 believe it or not is coming out uh and they have it slated for 2025 so we still have like a full year and and i'm gonna probably say they don't even hit the 2025 marker but the trailer came out uh after there were worries of it leaking so they released the the uh released the trailer and way mixed reviews. I mean, the the trailer landed on uh, Monday, and so let me put this in perspective for you. Uh, Grand Theft Auto is the most successful game of all time. Uh, it has made um, seven point seven billion billion to date and it doesn't look like it's it's gonna stop anytime soon grand theft auto has made rockstar games so ridiculously rich and powerful that you 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 expect you have certain expectations i'm still excited to see another uh, red dead redemption which i know they say they are working on and let's face it the graphics are i mean even the new trailer looked Realistic. They look spectacular. I don't know. Short of getting physical actors in there now um, is the only way to make this game look better. So the the game does its trailer, and the the fact that it's uh, the main protagonist is a female has set everybody on on fire about why and i think it's kind of funny because it, it it really doesn't matter and everyone is like saying oh rockstar went woke uh we don't need a female antagonist for the main story 
but when I think about this for a second, who I don't I don't care who the protagonist is. Is it a good is it a fun story? Is it great? I mean, we've played games in the past with female protagonists and leads and their their point of view. There have been we've played children, we've played monsters, we've played gods. We have done all of these things. I don't care. Um, and if Rockstar wants to build a story around a female lead, then by God, do it. Now, one of the things that came out of this, and I, I find this is what I find the most funny, and and I'm kind of on this on the side of this. And this is like a quote directly out there. I'm not going to out who said this, but um, in quote, this is not me. They made GTA Six woke. Uh, in the complaint, GTA 6 is a scam. GOT, some new graphics, or excuse me, GOT, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, they had capitals, sorry, got some new graphics, gimmicks, a work storyline, and zero improved gameplay. So I laugh about this. And no, someone else was also um, taking aim, and <laughs> I'm like, Evidently, you haven't played any Grand Theft Auto because they were like violence and vulgarity. Oh my! Oh my! Uh, GTA Six trailer is a stark reminder of how morally bankrupt our generation is. That's quite quite the shot. Um, they continue on to say we're so desensitized to violence and vulgarity that we're willing to consume any trash. That's thrown our way. It's sad to think of all the young minds that will be corrupted by this game. All right, let's <laughs> let's e-break this for just a freaking minute. Um, now you're worried about morally corrupting the youth. This video game is not going to do that. There are so many other things out there that are going to do that than this game. You're selling short what everything else is going on. But it's Grand Theft Auto. It's never changed. It has always been morally bankrupt. You have, you're, you're pulling people out of the car and beating them to death and driving off. It was the whole premise of the game. It's been the major complaint of this series since day one. So you're coming a little late to the party on this. And I, I don't know if we're morally bankrupt. It's just a game. Again, you're throwing in too much. It reminds me of when, you know, Dungeons & Dragons got attacked by the parent groups because somebody went too far. And I get it. It are There are moments where it is gratuitous. And it is, it is, is it necessary? And we don't know what the story is. We don't know what's going on. And I love that they're willing to throw out their zero improved gameplay. Have you played it? No, we don't know. It's the same premise, though. Same thing with, like, Call of Duty. You're running around, you know, being sneaky and shooting people in the head. There is it okay just because it's wartime and it's Call of Duty? I, I you kind of got to choose your battles on this and it's a weird line to draw are we going to see any further degradation in society by playing this this game no i mean there are other things we need to focus on and other other issues but i don't see someone running out into traffic trying to pull someone from their car and drive off and then hit a tree i just you know call me crazy but I just, I just don't see it. Not to mention, half of the nerds that would even try this probably aren't physically fit enough to do it. The other issue that I have with this, and it's not so much the game, um, 
but uh, the the format in which they're doing it. One of the things uh, that I saw during the trailer was that it's kind of more of like a TikTok inspired format with you know scrolling comments and all of that. I, that that I'm going to find probably more annoying than anything else because again, trying to play the game and I don't want all of these you know extra graphics just thrown in there for the sake of throwing it in there because most of the time it's just nonsense when you look at the quality of games that are out there and i'm going to go to spider-man 2 which is a phenomenal game it is absolutely spectacular the world the character design gameplay uh did i say character design yet it is spectacular it is worth playing it is one of the best games of the year, hands down. And I know Private Cheeseburger AA Ron is uh, on a Boulder's Gate run right now and doing uh, phenomenal interactions over there and enjoying the hell out of that game. And he's telling me that that is for sure the game of the year. And I don't know. We'll see as as the year closes out. But the Spidey game is 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 great is spectacular i guess it just depends on what you're in the flavor for the frightening thing is just how much money 7.7 billion dollars for gta and uh, just wowzers so will it be a hit have they improved the gameplay the graphics absolutely are on point you i think are missing the point on the characters because at the end of the day, I don't know many people who are going to do the campaign. I'm going to be honest with you. I really see maybe 25% of the people doing the campaign just simply to get re-acclimated. I mean, I don't think there's going to be like a whole adjustment. It's just kind of more of like getting used to what new weapons and features and all of that are out there. And to, to help when you go out into the world and, and start doing more of the interactions in your own character design and all of that. So for everyone to be throwing a fit this early, hey, I'd just be excited to see Rockstar deliver a game on time. <laughs> yeah, but what do I know? I'm, you know, just sitting over here playing video games with the rest of y'all. <laughs> Pay no attention to the small blonde child. Speaking of on time, this was kind of strange, and I don't know the, the motivation behind it, but uh, Reacher... Season two is going to premiere early by like a day. They're going to land the first three episodes December 14th instead of the 15th. I'm fine with this. I don't care. I just find it very strange that this is what they decide to do a day early. I don't know what they're worried about competing with. I just want to see the show. I keep going over there thinking that they would pull something like this and that would be early. They've already got season two of like the, the bar for it. Just nothing available. It drives me bonkers. So I'm excited to see this. We've already been talking, me and some other friends, of, of the books, how cool this, this story is. Because I think this is like book 12 in the series. Or somewhere like 10 or 12. Somewhere somewhere else in the series, this story takes place. It's much further down the line in the Reacher, Reacher story arc. But to to get this story, and, and I'm just excited to see Alan Richardson back as Reacher. I think he did a spectacular performance and i know <laughs> beside overlooking my dislike of tom cruise um he's just not reacher come on do you, can you see tom cruise walking up to a pickup truck and kicking it and having the airbag go off no 
there is, and if you read the books, Reacher has a physical presence. All right, he's very fit. He's a ve- he's a big guy, and let's face it, Richardson is that guy. If there's a character person out there that could play it better, it'd be hard pressed. In fact, I would, I still want to see uh, Alan and Henry Cavill like together going at it because that would just be fun. Alan and um, what's his name, Vin Diesel, just eh. My money is on Alan Richardson every any day of the week. Absolutely, he's just going to waste Vin Diesel. But you know, that's just my opinion. The fact is, I'm excited for Reacher. And I can't see anyone else executing or playing this role any better. And yes, I know Tom Cruise tried, and it's inter- it's entertaining. At least so I'm told. Say I still haven't seen it, <laughs> but people have told me Reacher will be on uh, Amazon if I'm remembering correctly, and that will be a good thing. So speaking of Amazon, there was an interesting story that. Um, came out just a couple days ago uh and and it really it made me excited but i know a lot of people probably are kind of like meh one way or the other now everybody knows my love for top gear and me being sad that we're we're seeing the end of grand tour which is basically the fallout (laughs) of Everyone leaving Top Gear and and going to uh, to be on Prime and, and or it, it, it just it, it it's painful. It hurts to talk about it. It really does. But the Grand Tour is coming to an end, and a lot of it stems from Clarkson's offhanded comment of Meghan Markle, and it was not well received. So February 2024 is going to be the final Grand Tour in Zimbabwe. But in an interesting turn of events, Clarkson's farm has been renewed for season four. We haven't seen season three yet, which should be out soon. So according to my info, it looks like we're going to see Clarkson's farm season three, uh, the summer 2024. And it's already been renewed for a season four. According to... uh, the 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 people in charge of streaming and and uh, ratings. This is the most watched original program in the UK, and I know I have spoke quite highly of this series and actually how much fun it is just to watch Clarkson bumble around on a farm and try and figure out how things work, and then the 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 drama of UK politics about being a farmer. I I thought we were harsh on our farmers, but damn, the UK has got some some stringent laws and things that you just need to like check the boxes on and regulations and holy lord. And to know that Clarkson is not that good in in regards to I don't know, political process or following rules or thinking before he speaks. (laughs) This has been an amazing show for me. And I even like the, the, the town, the townsies that, that are the background players, characters in this and his wife, who's a former bond girl, um, or girlfriend. I think, I think it's his girlfriend. I don't think they're married. I shouldn't, I should not misspeak on that. Um, is is absolutely a doll. Lisa Hogan is a former Bond girl and is is fun to watch her tolerate Clarkson. So it it all works it all works out well. My issue 
<laughs> yep, that got an issue. What about the Grand Tour guys? I mean, we we've got May and we've got Hammond who just kind of get left out in the cold. I know when they first before they even did Clarkson's Farm, they blew up Jeremy's house in one of the episodes. They literally blew it up. And you see like clips of this during Clarkson's Farm where they they go back and and show you. But uh, yeah, I think it was like was it Grand Tour or I think it may have been Grand Tour, or just before they did Grand Tour, they blew up Jeremy's house, which is hilarious. Um, so to to not have these guys in there, and I know they're like on the other side of the country, based on uh, what we've heard and can discern from Grand Tour where they live, I'm going to miss them. I don't want Grand Tour to end, and hopefully after seeing this, they won't. I know someone was making the offhanded comment about how old James May and Jeremy Clarkson are, because I guess they're kind of mid to late 60s. Hammond's only in his 50s. Uh, I think he's only like 51 or 52. So there's still there's still TV life there. They're not they're not sports people. They're not athletes. They 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 can go past 35 and 40 and be fine. Okay. They're just sitting in cars driving around. Well, except for Hammond. He likes to just blow them up and watch them burn. Be sure to know I will let you know all about Clarkson's Farm Season 3 when it comes out this summer. I just, I, again, I love watching it. It's a great show. What else we got? Um, so, things I'm watching. Uh, I, I mean, it was the holidays. I, I, I watched a few things. Actually, I got hooked on one thing that is spectacular, and I will get to that. Updates on Monarch, which is over on Apple Plus. This show is, I, you know, I don't know what to think of the show. I, I love the, the, the format. I love the look. Kurt Russell is spectacular. I love his son playing a younger him. Um, we finally got another monster, and we're tracing down this conspiracy, which I didn't think there was a conspiracy because, I mean, it's kind of hard to hide the fact that Godzilla ate California. Uh, I, I mean, there's who knows how much video out there of it. But there seems to be some other underlining story, which I'm curious to see what they do. And now we've got a couple of other elements that are adding to the suspense for me because I want to see if all of this does come together. If you haven't seen Minus One yet, it is gold. It is cinematic gold. It is wonderful. They they have listened to the fans. We have, we've got monsters. We have got things that you're going to want to see. No spoilers because uh, it just came out. And actually, I don't know if we're doing a movie review on that this week for meat, meat and potatoes or not. And then, in addition, we have the new trailer for Godzilla with Kong. And we see kind of what's going on in Middle Earth, the the floaty space in between the plates. I don't know what to call this place. I forgot. I know I had the name for it earlier, but it bounced out of my head. But we see the rest of Kong's brethren, kin, race. They are rampaging. And uh, you, you see Kong and Godzilla team up. And I love it. So my question is, do all of these converge? 
the way minus one ends, it does leave it completely open for a, a sequel, but I don't know how, how or what that looks like. In addition to, I haven't we haven't seen the end of Monarch yet to see if this is going to tie everything together and lead us into a better understanding of Godzilla and Kong. But what I do know is this is a spectacular time to be a Godzilla fan. The the graphics and everything and special effects for everything I've seen so far looks spectacular. And like I said, Monarch actually is a good series. Don't let me nitpick it too much for you because I am enjoying it. I really am. And I like the characters and the mystery that's kind of surrounding it. It's more questions and intrigue rather than annoyance and just like, well, I wish they would move on. Because the story is great. And I just want it to move a little faster. The pacing isn't bad. There's only so much you can do when you're dealing with, you know, traveling across the globe and kind of trying to set up a story. When you're doing time jumps back and forth, it can get confusing. But so far, it's been worth the watch if you have Apple TV. Because I know a lot of people don't. I don't blame you. If it wasn't for a friend, I probably wouldn't be watching it. But all of these need to converge somehow. I don't know how because... There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of moving parts, but oh, I'm, I'm so excited about this. It's been a while since I've been this excited. Yeah, you can tell. This excited about a Godzilla franchise and everything, and uh, just so awesome. But you're looking for a film this weekend, Minus One is definitely, definitely where you need to focus. In addition to Monarch, and here's my take on this. I'll try and be as spoiler-free as possible. Um, but this this week, my take is on the Blue-Eyed Samurai, which is an anime, but it doesn't feel like an anime. The story is, is wow, amazing. And it's there's, there's really not a whole lot of surprises in this. It's more of like shock and like, oh, they did that. So when I'm watching Blue-Eyed Samurai, I already had my suspicions about characters and how this was going to go and the direction it was going to take. And there, there's some inconsistencies of like, eh, okay, I don't think if you're that close, you get back here. It's just pacing. It's timing. But the characters and the environment and the scene that they're setting is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, this is... A work of art. This is a masterpiece. The story itself is is simple and and has been done before. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like they broke the mold and found some new, you know, mythos to follow. But how they do it and the execution and the story and the art and just all of it is 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 wonderful. It really truly is. And to have these characters fleshed out so well and the voices behind them fit and I wouldn't be surprised if there is a lot of motion capture involved with these characters because the facial responses and the voice acting and everything that goes behind this comes through you can tell that the people that are voicing these characters really do fit the part they, they you, you can almost see them as they are. You don't see the actor. You don't see the voice actor. You act, and that's probably why one of the reasons this works so well as an anime or animated is you you can feel that these are real characters. And there are some historical backing and uh, thought behind the series. Don't get me wrong. Especially when you think of uh, some of the later samurai films that come along. 
So historically accurate, I wouldn't go that far, but definitely, definitely pages from history taken to do this, especially when you're dealing with the main character and how it breaks out for the Shogun and, and all of that. But all in all, the elements and everything that they bring together for this story are, are wonderful. I turned red onto it, and she blazed through it in a day. Uh, there's only eight episodes. Some of them are an hour. Some of them are only 30 minutes. But it is, it is so worth the watch and needs to be moved to the top of your, your watch list that, uh, in fact, right now, go at it or start watching it as, as we finish the podcast because I'm that enamored and, and hooked on this series. The fact that we only get eight episodes kind of annoyed me. I'll even go so far as to say this is probably Netflix's best series in a long time. I mean, this is absolutely glorious. Everyone working and involved in it is is amazing. Now, as of this podcast, there hasn't been a release date or any confirmation for a season two. Now, my understanding with Netflix, and I think this is the same of Amazon, they usually do two seasons already. Um, they kind of gauge... The, the the first season, but it's one season that they break up to make two seasons. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see the second season or they've already done a lot of the principal work for season two, saying that it was part of season one. And it is, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this sooner rather than later coming out of the beginning of next year. And it is uh, just, ugh, so good. Uh, Michael Green, who wrote the scripts for Blade Runner 2049, uh, and his wife, Amber, I, I, I apologize, I'm going to mutilate this, Nozumi, N-O-I-Z-U-M-I, are the creative powerhouses behind this, this show, and so good. Now, make no mistake, this is not for children, okay? There 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 are blood, there are guts, there's cussing, there's sex, there's the whorehouses. I mean, it is it is intense and it is perfect and it is so well balanced how they portray all of it. And I again needs to be added to the top of the list. I'll let you know when we hear of the official release date of Season 2. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when, especially as I understand, like I said, how Netflix really works in in this regard. Uh, as far as some of the people that are involved with this um, acting-wise, as far as voices, George Takei is in there, Misa Oka is in there, who you might remember as Hero from Heroes. And uh, it just it's it's so good, so good. I can't I can't rave enough about it. Not to mention the one the, the big takeaway that I loved and I still love, and I'm, I'm going to go back and watch this just because of this. But it's it's all set kind of like in in the winter time. There there's snow happening, and it really sets this this spectacular imagery. It really does. And just the overall feel of how this 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 all comes together and the details that they put into it. Nothing has been overlooked. And like I said, this is probably the best visual I have seen from Netflix in regards to animation. I mean, it's uh, Love, Death, and Robots is its own thing, and I love that just as much. But, my God, they re- the story, all of it, really, 
really good. I can't say that enough, but that's my take. Let me know what you think. While on the other side of the animated coin, I started watching the Scott Pilgrim, and it's <laughs> maybe it's just been so long since I actually read the the graphic novels. Uh, but I'm kind of enjoying it. I'm nowhere near done. I think I got through the first two, three episodes, and like okay, I'm feeling having all of the voice actors back. I'm really enjoying it, but uh, I, I will not give you my take on that just yet. But it is it is in the rotation. Also, the one big, the big show, and I know you've been waiting for me to get to this, is Doctor Who. We had the first episode come out uh, with uh, Star Beast. With the actually, this is a kind of a cool story. This was adapted from the comic books, and I love that we do you know go back to the comics every once in a while. This isn't the first time a comic story has been adapted for the TV series. Um, and to see this particular character, the Meep, uh, adapted from the comics in the comics is a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous character, but it's fine. And in fact, most of the story that we see for the TV show is pretty much out of the comics. I mean, they may may have taken a couple of different liberties here and there. Uh, of course, it was a different Doctor, but. The Meep story itself is pretty much all the same that we get out of the 1980s Doctor Who comic, and it was it is fun. And of course, it was um, Tom Baker's Doctor's the fourth Doctor, if I'm remembering correctly, who was the the, the Doctor in that um, storyline. So to to have this adapted and all of that was was fun, and I I think. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of similarities. It's an interesting story, and what it leads to may even be bigger, which I think we'll see in the third episode, which will be coming out this week. Last week, we got um, Wild Blue Yonder, which is supposed to be the scary one. And there's some I have some mixed reviews and feelings about basically both stories. I like that we've got Tenet back, and see Tenet and Catherine Tate the Dr. Donna back together again is is heartwarming and it, it it feels so right. I don't know if I'm really I guess it depends on how this story ends because how the Dr. Donna series story arc ended with the tragic ending of Donna's memory and not being able to recall and just kind of it being there. I think it was I think it was symbolic and it was it was it was so impactful and I think to take that away from Donna, to take... I mean, yes, I, of course she deserves to have her memories back. But the story itself just had such a tragic end. And I think that's what I liked about it the most. That it had this emotional finale to it. And to sabotage that and to take that away just kind of... I don't know if it's fair to the fans. I don't know if it... it, it I mean, it's Russell T. Davies, so it's his story to begin with. So I get it. I understand. But I don't know if it was necessary. Now, we get Wild Blue Yonder, and of course, Dr. Donna jumping to the TARDIS. Oh, we're going to go see Wilf. We'll be just down the street. Yeah, the TARDIS doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way. And of course, it's funny because, yep, it doesn't work that way. We end up in a ship. Uh, at the end of the galaxy, the universe, in a weird void. 
Now, the void that they're in evidently is a result of the flux from the Jodie Whittaker era. And I wasn't a big fan of the flux because it was just so much jumping around and just misdirection. Again, I'm not a fan of Chris Chimnall. I think the man can burn in a car fire. I'll be fine with that just because of what he did to Doctor Who. Now, that said, they do take some very interesting points of view for the Doctor as we expand a little bit further as far as why this face, why now, why here. And it is kind of a terrifying episode. I mean, good Lord, they they have superimposed David Tennant and Catherine Tate's face. They're huge. And the whole story itself just takes in real time a matter of minutes it's not a long drawn out story there's not a whole lot of thinking involved it's just basically why are we here and how the hell do we get out of it and i like that it's perfect and it is very reminiscent of the classic who we show up something's not quite right we have x amount let's do this so to get that all together and to see tate and tenant in their elements again, working together. I actually really enjoyed this one way more than I did the Meep episode. And the Meep was cute. It was fine. But to give me a a classic scary, air quote, scary who story was way more entertaining for me. Now we get the final one um, coming up, which is the Giggler, Giggles. Uh, I forget. <laughs> and I guess I should probably look it up. But no, I think I'll leave, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. It's fine. Because I am so, like, I don't, want to, I don't want any spoilers. I really legitimately want to see how this unfolds. The Toymaker is an ancient, an ancient character that we've only really seen, and I think I've talked about this. If I did, sorry. Um, an ancient character that we saw with the second Doctor. He's made multiple appearances in the, the the novels, and I even think he also showed up in one of the audio books by Big Finish. So he's not an unknown character, but to the TV universe, we haven't seen him for a considerable amount of time. And to see Neil Patrick Harris take on this role, and every time I keep seeing him, all I can think of is Lemony Snickets, and just the, the absolute stellar performance that we got from him so to see him playing a cosmic entity is is just pure joy so how does this end where does this go all excellent questions the thing that we need to consider is that tenant is short-lived for this role and as we move into the new role of the doctor and the new actors of course i'll let you guys know about my opinions on that but as we get there eh, i'll share a little bit more but right now I'm happy. We've got the Dr. Donna. We've got some intriguing stories. We've got one left. And then I don't know if we're regenerating at the end of this because the trailer for this one seems to indicate we do or we get the regeneration into the Christmas special, which is supposed to follow these three episodes. So I never you never you never can take the trailer at face value. Let's face it. it, it, it it's meant to be misleading and they always do it so we'll see how how this plays out i'm hoping what i do find annoying and sad is and maybe we'll we'll see it in the the 60 i mean we're in the 60 right now anniversary maybe they're saving it for this story but there hasn't been any appearances of anyone else i know we have seen 
clips and pictures, and there have been other um, shorts about the other doctors, about the past companions. I was hoping that we would see some of that on the screen. My my hope was that we'd get a revisit from some of the past companions, some of the other doctors, something to, you know, nod, little tip of the hat to the last 60 years, and, and maybe we will, and it just hasn't happened yet. So this may be a bit premature, but if we don't get it, that's it's going to hurt because, let's face it, where would we be without the previous 60 years? Where would we be without all of the efforts of our previous doctors and, you know, the sacrifices from the companions? Excellent questions, I know, but eh, hopefully they will be answered this next Saturday as we see Patrick Stewart, not Patrick Stewart, Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> there we go. Let's make Patrick Stewart a villain <laughs> for Doctor Who. Why not? He's done everything else. <laughs> so, Neil Patrick Harris, let's see what you got. Bring on the toy maker. Real quick in comic book news, um, if you read my top five comic books of the week, it comes out every week on Wednesdays, showing you what the latest and greatest in titles that are coming out, you would be aware that the Ultimate Universe is back. This is the universe that gave birth to Miles Morales, and everybody loved Miles, I love Miles, and we wouldn't have Across the Spider-Verse without him. So to have the Ultimate Universe reconstituted and brought back together they are bringing back another spider-man and this one actually i'm kind of in for i want to see what what happens it's a older more mature spider-man according to one of the covers that i've seen floating around with peter sporting a full beard married to mary jane and with two kids so I'm 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 hooked. I want to know more. There's also a new Green Goblin that will be part of this. Since they put the Ultimates universe back together, which I'm sad that they pulled apart in the first place, uh, I've been absolutely enthralled and hoping that they they go back to this. And it's kind of the same but different. And um, it's it, I'm excited. I liked Ultimate Spider-Man. In fact, it's probably one of my favorite titles uh, of all time of just what they did and how they brought, you know, a a different take to Spider-Man. Now, we have a new creative team behind Ultimate Spider-Man, which is offering the same thing uh, and different versions of Spider-Man and Green Goblin and different characters from the 616 universe. So the fact that they're trying this again and this doesn't come around too often. I'm not too... I mean, we've had relaunches. We've had um, restarts. We've had stalls. We've had so many different things in the last 10 years of comics that to go back and try again from scratch and kind of rediscover and recreate a character that is so near and dear is, is kind of exciting to me. And that's that's saying something. I'm always, I'm again, always want to know... The story now. Uh, there is a YouTube trailer that Marvel has put together, highlighting the different aspects of Spider-Man, and I honestly am happy to see him married to Mary Jane. I still think that in the regular Marvel canon of pulling those two apart is is a tragic mistake. I, I think that it didn't need to happen. It shouldn't have happened. It did, and they're still trying to make that right after they screwed it up, and and that's fine. But in this universe. 
they're still married. They they're raising two kids. It's it's kind of fun to see, and maybe this can serve more of like a what if. Also in this trailer, we get the look at the new Green Goblin, which has some very Sam Raimi inspired elements to it, as far as the armor and gliders. So, who's underneath it? Who's the Green Goblin? Are we going to stay with the Harry Osborn? Are we going to do Norman? Who is under the suit? And I'm, I'm in. I, I I totally agree. I want, and this means at least we get some new villains. We get some new takes. And that's what I liked about Ultimate Spider-Man. It still was loosely enough that it held to it, but gave us elements that we hadn't seen or considered because Gwen Stacy and Silk and all of these other, uh, or excuse me, Ghost Spider, all these different characters that kind of came out of the Ultimates universe that have had such an impact. Um, I hope they can repeat this. The Ultimate Spider-Man number one is due uh, in physical release. January 10th uh, from Marvel. So check out your comic book stores or add it to your pool now. Also in comic book news, in the savior of Dark Horse Comics, Mark Millar is coming to Dark Horse. And not a moment too soon. And I feel bad, and I don't want to paint a picture, but we've had uh, stories about Dark Horse I want to I want to put this as gingerly as possible, but circling the drain. They have not had a good run of it, and kind of scrambling to come up with a new franchise. I mean, after Lock and Key, kind of you know went away, and they lose Predator, they lose Aliens, they lose Star Wars, they lose so many. Dark Horse lost more than they gained, but with the addition of Mark Millar. This actually opens up a very huge door for Dark Horse Comics, along with reprinting some of the classics that Mark Millar has put together. There, there are some, some upsides. So first of all, if you are not familiar with Mark Millar, let me give you the big names that uh, titles that he's done. Kingsman, which is all, all out great. I can hardly wait till we get the next installment of um, Kingsman. Kick-Ass. Wanted, which is my favorite story of his. I know the movie kind of mm, fell extremely short of expectations. And in fact, it wasn't even the same story from the comics. But uh, fine, whatever. But these these are staples for him. In addition to like... Um, uh, I can't... I can't uh, Big Game, which is another one of his. Nemesis... Um, and of course, oh, uh, the one series that got canceled from Netflix, Jupiter's Legacy. That's what it was. That was, I'm still pissed about that. Try to put it out of my mind. I'm scarred. Uh, another story of his is Huck. The Millarverse is, is rich with content and characters and even the stuff that he's done for Marvel. I know Authority, which is another thing that they're looking to adapt for DC. Millar is no stranger to the comic book world and creating characters that uh, drive stories and are complex and wonderful and colorful. And <sighs> he's going to save Dark Horse. <laughs> That's where I was going with that. I know it was a long, long way around. Uh, but hopefully uh, we'll see what he comes up with. Now, according to the release, um, Millar is uh, already preparing 
for new titles to come in 2025 uh, and is excited to see the Millar world uh, shows and movies that come from his new works. Netflix acquired the film and television rights to Millar's uh, titles in 2017. Beyond this, I'm working on, on uh, working hard on the 2025 launches right now for completely new series. You're going to love Millar also revealed in uh, the same quote. This feels like a like a partnership made in heaven already. And now that Hollywood, the Hollywood strikes are over and the pandemic is in the rearview mirror, we can start to roll out all the associated shows and movies at Netflix too. I'm buzzing, but this might just be the booze here, here. <laughs> I really do like Mark's stuff, and I, I I do without even knowing it. Sometimes I have read, like I said, Huck. I totally forgot about Huck, and such a good story, and so much to it. Uh, I I really hope, and I don't I I don't think a single author is is capable of saving an entire company but i can keep my fingers crossed especially when we're dealing with like the kingsman and i really hope that comes back i want to i want to see another film for them and even just some of the reprints because i know the authority stuff and i don't know if they can print that because that's a dc but there are things that are just out of print from the millar library so all of these things come together. Dark Horse has has a light at the end of the tunnel. I wouldn't say a bright future, because again, I don't think I don't think a single author can save an entire publisher, but it definitely holds promise for Dark Horse. And the final story, which I don't know how to take, and it's an interesting off-handed comment by Papa Ackroyd. Um, and it's regarding Frozen City. Nacroid teases an emotional and scary Ghostbusters sequel with Frozen Empire. Uh, and he goes into this article stating um, his quote, We've never done this to Manhattan before. There's a historical base to it that's quite beautiful. Uh, he goes on to say, We took full advantage of CGI technology, but we also... Uh, where uh, where we could kept old school effects alive. So I mean, they they they're working towards. I don't know. Everyone has got theories on the uh, emotional hint that Ackroyd is throwing out, and in fact, there was an article that came out directly saying that this is it for Vinkman, which would break my heart i'm just oh and i know bill murray has gone on multiple times saying you know what he'll do a sequel if you kill me i want to die just you know let let me go (laughs) for for whatever reason and i know some of that is just probably over exaggerated i know some of that's just murray being murray but to have Ackroyd kind of hint at how much uh emotion is going to be involved in this one i mean the last one was emotional half the crew was in tears at multiple points of afterlife. It was an absolute emotional pull. And, and, and it's, it, it makes sense because we've moved forward. And I like how, and I like the steps that we've got to do this. One of the quotes, in fact, from Ackroyd, when we marry the old lore and some of the traditions with these, 
um, four spectacular new performances. You get a blend in service of a really neat New York story that gives us faith in carrying on with the Ghostbusters con- uh, concept. And that it's a family business. I mean, that's all that screams to me. And I know Aykroyd is involved with making this new film. I don't know how much he had to do with the writing. I think he just basically shows up, maybe gives some consulting and just calls it a day. Um, he did say it was a lot of fun to make. Uh, all that, along with uh, some great sacrifices and effects, it's really going to work. I, what's really going to work, Dan? What? What? <laughs> what did you do, Ray? The one thing about Ghostbusters, and uh, it's it's the heart. It's the heart, and the 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 guys coming together. And, and it's always been, like, my favorite film. And, yes, I know, I'm a Ghostbuster, and I, I, I tend to run on sometimes about it and <laughs> to to advice of not doing this. But if they kill Venkman, we riot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm expecting another loss, but everything that we've seen, the trailers, the previews, all of this is just look phenomenal. And I can't, I can't be excited enough. I know we do not have long to wait. I think this is March of next year that we will see um, the sequel. Yeah, March 29th, 2024 is when we will see the return of the Ghostbusters. And on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. <laughs> if you've got any comments, please send me a message. Please also share us, like us, let your friends know about your dirty little secret. But in the meantime, run fast. Laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night!